Welcome to episode 38 of the Raft Podcast. In this episode, we continue our discussion with the members of the Raft team. How do you make a choice when neither outcome seems ideal? Listen in and be inspired. Enjoy the show. Well, I am going to share a tool now. uh, And I'm going to share a tool that's actually from our Raft curriculum. uh, And it's a tool that I have used probably for the last, let's see, 10 or 11 years of my life in making decisions about finances, about family, about careers. Uh, I use this tool in all areas of my life. And that's discovering and using your core values to make these important decisions. And in the, the show notes for this podcast episode, we'll put a link to our core values exercise if you're interested in doing it. But basically, what this tool is, is taking the time to understand your top three to five core values, and then using those core values to filter the decisions in your life and make a very intentional decision versus, and there's kind of a theme in everybody's sharing here, making an urgent decision or a decision in the moment that you're going to regret or notice, you know, it, it makes you intentionally think through the decision with what is and what research is showing is one of the most important parts of our lives, which are our core values. And so what I'm going to do is, is imagine that I'm in this advocate's position and I'm going to use my core values to show how I would work through this decision. And of course, for all the advocates listening out there, you'll have different core values than I do you may have some of the same core values and you might make the exact opposite decision from what I'm going to make because you may interpret your core value differently than I do. So my top core values are loyalty, family, support, harmony, and adventure. And so looking at this decision of do I go back to work and have most of my you know, paycheck go to supporting my kids at home. If I look at that as a loyalty value and I filter that through my loyalty value, for me, if I didn't go back to work, that would be a a big hit to my loyalty value to the clients I work with at the shelter, to the team members that I work at the shelter, uh, to my bosses at the shelter, because that loyalty value to me, it's very important to protect the people that I work with. On the other hand, the family value for me might conflict directly with that loyalty value because staying home with my kids and being with them during this time is super important to me. So now I have some conflict between my first two values. If I look at my value of support, I could choose to support my kids I could choose to support the people at the shelter that I work with, or I could support both of them. And for me, when I reflect on this scenario and look at that value, supporting both groups seems like it's truest to my value. Because if I only supported my kids at home, I would know that I am not supporting my teammates and my clients at the shelter. 
right? If I only went and worked at the shelter and didn't do something to help my kids as well, then I would not be supporting my kids. So for me, it, that value leads me to say, I have to find a way to support both of these groups to match that value. Harmony, again, for me, the value of harmony means I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the word balance because I feel like our lives shift in so many different directions at different times that finding balance can be impossible, but finding harmony between things, making them work together uh, is something that, that is really important to me. And so for me, being able to continue my career at the shelter and help those people and support my family, that feels like harmony to me because I'm, I'm keeping both of those things in my life. So although the paycheck is entirely going to, my, to the childcare for my kids, it would be worth it because that's giving me that harmony. They're getting the support they need at home while I'm at work and I'm helping the people while I'm at work. And then when I come home, we can be together. And so that value of harmony is supported. And then my last value, which is super important in my life is adventure. And although in this situation, it might not seem to fit, the way that I think of, of adventure as one of my core values is trying to do both of these things and figure out how to make them work seems like a pretty interesting adventure. It's something I haven't tried before. It's something my family hasn't done before. So instead of just saying, no, I need to quit at the shelter and stay home because that's the only option, adventure allows me to fall into what both Estaniola and Alice have mentioned of what's that middle ground? What's that other option? What's the other way to sit with this and do it? And that sounds like a great adventure. And if that adventure doesn't turn out, then maybe I go back to just supporting my kids at home and I leave the shelter. Now, listening to me talk about those five core values, you may be able to think of an exact opposite way to use each of those values in the discussion I just had around this topic, but that's the way they work for me. And that's important. It's important to know them. It's important to know how to use them as a filter in your own life. And in this case, you know, with loyalty, family, support, harmony, and adventure, I would probably decide to give going back to work a try, support both the shelter and my family. Yes, it's not great that all that money is going to childcare, but it really matches my values the best. And so that's how I would probably sit and, and think through this scenario. Any thoughts? Yeah, Jeremy, this is Indrani. Values, wow. I wished I knew about values decades ago. And I think life would have been so much easier. When we stand on our values, there's very little room for mistake because we're doing it from a, a grounded place of almost like a, a divining rod that goes straight into the earth and we're just radiating and working from the values that we have. I loved your explanation of how, how you use the values with, with uh, parenting and, and decisions. And yes, let's put the link in there because people won't know how important they are unless they know what their values are. So thank you. It, your, through your whole thing, it made me smile. Awesome. Thank you, Indrani. This is Alice. There's two words that really struck me in all of the words that you had. There were two that really, that really stood out. And it's 
it seems very simple, but you'd said in the beginning intentional decision-making, which of course is what we're talking about. But as advocates, because I was one myself, there is very little time to be intentional. And, you know, another thread here is how do you, how do we, these are tools for downshifting out of that urgency, but for advocates, it's even greater. We live in a culture of urgency, but advocates for sure. If, if they're not in urgency and by some miracle, their clients are not in urgency, their boss may be in urgency. It's going to be somewhere. Um, the fires that are being put out are tremendous. So I just like that you said, this is a way to be intentional. That was the first word was intentional. And the second word, you said it a couple of times, but it really struck me about it being the filter, that values are the filter by which you make these choices. And it's it seemed, um, oh, this is going to sound a little silly, but it was almost comforting. Like, this is just the filter I have to look at right now about this decision. The filter are, you know, my top five values. What are those? And how do I filter the decision through these things, through these uh, values that I choose for myself? Yeah. And I think from what you're saying, Alice, one thing, if, if you're an advocate listening to this, this might be a great episode to send towards one of your supervisors to hear what Alice said about, you know, if my clients aren't being urgent and my family's not being urgent, then my boss is being urgent. So I never have time for this intentional decision-making. And one of the things that we talk a lot in, in our workshops and in our leadership program is we talk about giving everybody on your team time to breathe and time to make decisions. So giving people a day to go home and talk to their family about a decision or you know, and don't ask for a response on working an extra shift or doing something in the office. Give the advocate, an, you know, your person an hour to go away and think through that decision. Use the tools that we're talking about right now. And so, you know, it's important when you're in a position of power, like being a supervisor or a boss, to make sure that you're giving your team that space to make those decisions. So thank you, Alice. Um, I think the words that stuck out to me were for me. I think it's important that, you know, you might have shared values with a coworker or a family member, but the way you interpret it might be different. And so making sure you remember that it's, this is the value interpretation, the filter that works for you at that time. Yeah. And for our advocates, that's so important because as we know, our advocates are fixers and givers of time. They're not doing things as much for themselves and so this core value piece, because it is so personal, really is a way to make sure that you're doing things for yourself and not because it's somebody else's decision. Yeah, thanks, Miriam. So now, next, we have Miriam. All right, um, so as a mom, I totally understand, as a new mom, I would say, I understand where this advocate's coming from. I feel like being a mom has really, I was talking to the team earlier, it's a continuous test of patience, I think is what we said. And so definitely the situation um, brings that up. And as my son is turning one in a few weeks, um, it reminds me of a decision we had to make when he was born. Um, and then the tool that we used with that was a good old pro and con list. Um, I feel like it really helped to turn down the noise, as Alice said, and clear some of that emotion like fog 
and be able to really look at all the things that are at play and and how to um, use some, I guess, like logic and, and, and being able to be objective a little, as much as you can in an emotionally charged situation. Um, and so the situation that I'm thinking about um, was around this time last year, I was eight months pregnant and I had to go to Memphis for one night and which is three hours away from home in Nashville. And this is, this is an important detail. And so my water broke very unexpectedly while in Memphis and I was admitted. Um, and they basically told me that I could be under observation. It could be a couple of days. It could be a couple of weeks. Once the baby's born, you could be there for a couple of days to a couple of weeks, maybe up to two months since he was going to be two months premature. And so we kind of became the couple in the war. Uh, the maternity floor who are like the, the Nashville couple and everyone's trying to like, help us find Airbnbs and like figure out what we're going to do and like, oh, poor, poor things, you know. Um, and so we're just there kind of like chilling, waiting, seeing what's going to happen. Um, and then one of the chief residents comes um, and she was like, this is off the record. But if I were you all, I would just go home. I would go AMA, go against medical advice and, and just go home. And that totally like threw off kind of what we had already mentally prepared for of like, just we're stuck here until we further, you know, know what's going to go on. And so giving us that option um, really threw it off. And so we kind of like sat there and, and literally made that pro and con list. We didn't tell any family because we knew if we told family, they'd be like, no, 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 come back home, come back home. And um, I think we told one family friend who was like a medical professional and also had had a premature baby. And we asked her opinion. And then we like Google mapped how many hospitals we would hit on the way if we were to go back to Nashville and like wrote all of this down. And um, at the end of the day, um, we found that it was best for us to stay where we were. It was safest for both me and the baby, even if that meant that we were um, away from family and the comforts of home, which was smart because I went into labor the next day and then baby was born. <laughs> and then 17 later, days later, we were home. We were going to come home eventually. Like we knew we'd be home. So yeah. So ha having that list and, and being able to see all those pieces as clear as we could make it um, helped to make the decision. Any thoughts, team? Oh, Miriam, I'm remembering what we were all thinking. <laughs> I forgot that it was only a year ago. I love pro and con lists. I ask my children to do that all the time. And I'm, I'm just overwhelmed with, with uh, re remembering your story. And now look, he's walking. <laughs> uh, I Get a piece of paper, draw a line down the middle, put pro and con and give each thing a point. And then you don't even have to read. You just have to add up the points um, and don't tell family. That was key, I feel. It, you know, it goes back to what we teach in, in our raft curriculum about a trusted source. Find the one or two trusted people. Brene Brown says, your trusted sources can fit on an inch by inch piece of paper. So that's not 12 people. Ask the trusted source a very pointed question. I'm not asking you, should I stay or should I leave? I'm asking you, you had a premature baby. What would you do? Not what would I do? Brilliant. Thank you. And thank you for putting a smile on my face for uh, knowing now that little Idris is driving you crazy. Thanks, Andrani. So not surprisingly for the team, uh, my pro and con list method doesn't have just two categories. 
my left brain needs to organize it a bit more. So I have a pro, a neutral, and a con. Because what I found over the years is there's parts of decisions that I make that I can't fit in either. And then my math brain goes, if I put it in the wrong one, that's going to put the balance in the wrong direction. And so I have to have my third category. And so for me in a decision like this, when we were making decisions about my son, things that went in the neutral column, just to give some examples, were things like my mother-in-law's opinion, my mom's opinion, right? For me, those didn't fit in the pro or the con, but I couldn't leave them off the list. So I need that third column to say, you know what, those are out of my brain now. And that middle column doesn't matter. I just have to get those out of my brain so that I can, I can think about them. So we should call this a pro and con matrix. It's not like Yes, it's now a matrix. You're correct. <laughs> <laughs> I think too, just because I, I lived through this story as well, in relation to what we're talking about with this scenario, this was a good example of talking to people and asking, because I can remember the email I got from you that was very nervous from you about how Raft was going to deal with the fact that you were not going to be working two months ahead of time. And Raf's response was, you take care of you, you take care of baby, we've got you covered, we'll figure it out. And by having that conversation, you know, in your head, I could imagine it was either they're going to be good with it or they're going to fire me. But by having that conversation, we created that middle ground of it's all going to be okay, we'll figure it out, you know, we'll catch up on things later, it's all going to work the way we had it planned for January. We're just going to move that forward to October. So again, I think that just highlights what we talked about before about having those conversations. And Jeremy, I just want to add that Raft, as Raft, we made our decision based on the values we have at Raft. Yes. So that's another good example of that. It came back to our values at Raft. We have a set of values for our people and we believe in self-care. And it always, we always ask. Does, are we standing on, on who we are? So that was an easy one. This is Estenola. Ma'am, I think what I admire most about your story is that you were presented with someone who had a lot of clout and professional experience who could have easily swayed your decision and even risked their job to tell you to go back three hours to um, your hometown and still that did not influence your decision because you had a method that worked. And so it just goes to show that when you have a method that works and you've seen it work time and time again, it doesn't matter who it is and what background, what title or whatever they have comes and tries to interfere with that plan. Even though I know she meant, well, you're going to place higher value on the method than you are going to on the person speaking, whether it be a family member who is intimately close to you and thinks they have a thought for everything or a doctor. I could imagine that because a doctor risks their job to tell me that piece of information, I should give it more weight than any, anything else. But you and your husband stuck to your guns around the, the method you used and made the best decision for you and your baby. So kudos to you. For sure. Thank you. That, that was probably the part, the emotion part that we tried to take away from the list matrix maybe next time. <laughs> this is Alice. And I, you know, as the theme here is urgency, I can't imagine a more urgent moment than that. And Miriam being pregnant, I've never been pregnant, but, you know, I have siblings and friends and to be 
in that position as a mother, because you are when you're when you are pregnant, right? So to be in that position and be new at it and suddenly confronted with a crisis and having to make a choice. So I just that's certainly an inspiration when you're you, you that was a urgent moment and um, you had the presence of mind to say let's make this list. And what I also noticed about that is the partnership with your husband that it, if that wasn't your husband, maybe that would have been a friend, right? If you're by yourself in that situation that you chose one person to support with the problem solving, it wouldn't always have to be a husband, but I like that it was just one person. And then from that reaching out to a friend and resourcing. So that was what struck me. Thanks, Alice. All right. Again, can hear a common theme coming through uh, all of these tools, giving ourselves space and time. Uh, and I think, Indrani, with your wrap-up tool, I'm sure you're going to continue that thread. Thank you, Jeremy. I want to thank everyone for having listened to the podcast this far. Now, we're going to give each other a gift, a gift of space. So if you're driving, this does not apply. You cannot close your eyes and drive, but if you are able to close your eyes, and I'm just going to tell you a few words, remind you about a few things. Intentional, intentional decision-making, the wisdom of the body, Faith and courage. The pro and the con matrix. All of these things are tools. And which tool is best for you? Only you can decide that. I want to give you a quick quick way to check in with your body right now. And this works best if you have a choice between one and two. So you can do one and two, and then you could do two and three, and then you can do, but it cannot work. Jeremy likes matrices. It cannot work with matrices as much as it can be black and white. And I don't mean that it is going to be forever because we know that decisions change. So think of a moment, and actually everybody on here had a moment in their lives when it was one or the other. Sit with your eyes closed, take a few moments to breathe. You know the box breath that Alice does with us in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four. Do a few minutes of that. Find the courage to go inside. Find your center, whether that center be a religious center or a mindful center or a nature-filled center, it doesn't matter. It only matters 
that you are in your center. And from there, from that place of, of space and calm, allowing your prefrontal cortex the maximum width and breadth of use. Hold your two hands out in front of you and place each choice in one or the other hand. And do your box breathing and tell your mind you're being intentional and to slow down the noise inside and notice if one or the other feels lighter. Alice talked about light. Yes, when something is more right, it will feel light. And when you, when you believe that you indeed it is feeling light, open your eyes and write down the thing that felt light. And then with that decision, then go into, you already did the body thing, go into the pro-con matrix or go into a deeper meditation or prayer or go into your values and if Wow, I've never done my values. Take a moment and do it in that moment. And to have all of this data in front of you, knowing that you are the master. And then if there are other decisions, then you do the same thing. And you, you take the time that you need. And if you need to reach out to someone, that person must be a trusted person. And a lot of times the trusted person may not be in our families. It may not be a spouse. It may not be a parent and that's okay because that trusted person is your trusted person. And if you take all of these steps, the thing that you will be doing more efficiently than anyone else is that you will be kind to yourself. And Maya Angelou says, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And if you adopt these simple steps, you will not forget that you allowed yourself to come down from possible anxiety or fear or another kind of emotion that is dark. And you gave yourself kindness. And the more you do this, the easier it will become and you will be able to do it at the drop of a hat. So that's my take, guys. And do you have any, any thoughts? I used all of your wisdom and I added very little. So I'd love to hear what, how, how this lands on you.
This is Alice. And uh, yes, well done. <laughs> that was a beautiful, may I say, quilt of of uh, our our podcast, quilting everything together. Uh, thank you, Andrani. And what stood out for me was, and you said this very intentionally, take the time you need. And um, if we could all have that above our desks or on our refrigerators or on our cell phones, you know, take the time you need. And that by working a process step-by-step step and taking the time that you need is an act of kindness towards yourself. Absolutely. And that is the number one thing. If we're being kind to ourselves, you know, it reduces the distress that we are experiencing when making a difficult decision. So yeah, great, great. That's yeah. Yeah. Thank Be you for referencing the quilt. You and I are quilters now. Yeah, we are quilters. Though <laughs> you're far more experienced, but I I've done it enough that I I get it. Thank you, Andrani. Thank you, Alice. I took your challenge, Andrani. So I held out two hands and a foot so that I could have three decisions. So you can't stop me from from <laughs> creating a matrix. Okay. <laughs> I think what really stood out for me is, again, turning it into a, a body experience, a felt experience, but giving a mechanism. So Alice talked about feeling it in your body in a more general way, which for lots of people works. But for some people like me, I need to be told a little bit more how to feel it in my body because that's not natural for me. And so for a lot of our advocates, that might not be their natural, you know, oh, I just feel it in my stomach or I feel it in my back or I feel it in my neck. Having the activity to hold your hands out and give instructions on how to feel it in your body, I think is helpful for a lot of people like me and, and a lot of our advocates. So I thank you for giving that very clear kind of mechanical way of doing that. Not that the other more general way is wrong it just doesn't work for everybody and so having that mechanical way was helpful yeah jeremy it's a way to operationalize body wisdom right if Which we can why i like it yeah <laughs> <laughs> you like the word operationalize <laughs> yeah and it it works if we, it it's not like that right oh i hold my hands out and you have to sit and and you have to we have to be really intentional about it. if we if this is a big deal and a decision needs to be made, then we better give it its due. Jeremy, I have to agree with you. I think if you're on the team, if the team was on a spectrum, Jeremy would be left brain. I would be like a little bit more towards the right, but still very left brain. And so it's so super helpful. I feel like ever since I've been on the rap team, I've been learning more to tune into my body. So I always appreciate the direction. So Miriam, do you think that operationalization might work? Yes, I also love that word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a long word. <laughs> this might be obvious. This is Alice. This is not my favorite word. <laughs> <laughs> Neither is it mine, but I, I've learned how to, to operationalize hard things. I appreciate it. But I think that exchange there brings up another great part of our curriculum is when we talk about strengths 
Mm. Not just on an individual level, but on an organizational level and how as Raft or as a shelter or as any sexual violence or domestic violence organization, knowing your team's strengths and utilizing those strengths can make for a much stronger team uh, and, and much better decision making. So it's good that we have all of those parts on the team. Yeah. And, and I think we respect everybody's strengths. I heard someone say the other day, Oh, I need to get my weaknesses up. No, hire out the weaknesses and use your strengths. And I think we have done that really well at Raft. Well, I want to thank you all uh, for coming together to provide these tools to our advocates. Uh, normally in this space, I do a summary of what we talked about start to finish, but Indrani did such an excellent job of that. Uh, I am going to uh, pass on that this time. Uh, but hopefully within everything shared here today, you have found a tool or a idea or some tidbit that can help you uh, to look at these difficult decisions that you have to make and again make the best decision when there isn't a good one thank you everybody thank you thank you thanks everyone thank you for listening to the raft podcast you can email us at info at raftcares.org and anonymously share your own questions or challenging situations to be answered on the show. If you would like to learn more about our free trainings, send an email to info at raftcares.org. You can also sign up for our free advocate resources on our website. Click on the link for domestic and sexual violence advocates and be sure to look at the website for upcoming virtual training opportunities. If you have any questions, you can email our team at info at raftcares.org. We hope this podcast has been a source of support and comfort to you in the amazing work you do in this world. We see you.